All right, Tony, I have to hand it to you on uh, the last video. I'll let you, for the video episode, I'll let you name it. And you wanted to include some sort of clickbait title. And I have to admit, it was the best performing episode for us on YouTube by far. Now, I, here's the thing is, I don't know whether it's because it was on Netrunner, which is a very popular game, or because of your clickbait title. So I'm going to let you go ahead and name this episode to however you want. And we'll see whether it's the title or the content. So I, what is the name of this episode? Uh, this is uh, Does tabletop gaming suck now there you go does it suck? all right so for uh everybody who wants to contact us just contact tony at roll dice take names at gmail.com that's roll dice take names at gmail.com and i wouldn't feel bad about this except you know other people have been releasing recently where tabletop has gone and, and they're talking about how it's changed over time so well, let me I ask think you it's this, appropriate for, for your title though the whole thing of this is how has it changed in 10 years this is our anniversary of this is our 10th anniversary of when we started the show i know how to say this now it's the 10th anniversary of when we started the show and the whole okay. thing was how has it changed over the past 10 years for us so should the title contain 10 years in it somewhere or are you just going to kind of leave it like that I'm going to leave it like that because right. over 10 years, has it got, does tabletop gaming suck now? So that's where we're at. <laughs> so, at least you cut straight to the point. So the whole goal of this was to talk about how we feel that tabletop gaming has changed over the past 10 years. And at first I was actually making a list of pros and cons, but I, I've changed my mind on that because what I may see as a pro, somebody else may see as a con. So it's more like just, okay, here's some things that I've noticed has changed and you and I've got a lot of bullet points. Now, to be fair, you and I were gaming well before 10 years ago, but mm -hmm. it's just kind of in the context of, of what we've done with the show in the past 10 years. I mean, you and I have been playing games since we were wee little bit of boys. So, you know, I mean, that's one of the things we did in the summer is we played games. Now, I mean, it's not the types of game. So, I mean, it could be, does tabletop gaming suck after 40 plus years? But, you know, we're just looking at how long the show's been going. How has it changed? And I saw you, your show. I'm glad you didn't when you were worrying me. When you said, you know, I've rethought this. I was thinking, oh, wait, what are all the good bullet points for? Well, I was actually studying this. And now you've gotten rid of it? I, I'm confused. Don't confuse me. Well, no, no, I didn't get rid of it. It's just that I just, okay, let, let's just start. Jump into top. it. Let's just start from the top. And these are just bullet points in no particular order. One thing that's changed over the past 10 years for sure is crowdfunding. Uh, yes. When we started the podcast, Kickstarter, if it was a thing, it was barely a blip in the tabletop gaming space. And since that time, it's become, become kind of a really big deal in that a lot of people now bring their games to Kickstarter. I mean, it seems like every week... Uh, lots of games are being released They're usually Tuesdays. It's a very popular day. There's several campaigns going on. I say Kickstarter, but that also now includes Game Found and uh, Backer Kit, uh, which is a newer one too. And so that's just a method of business now with companies is to crowdfund a lot of their games. And that's one of those things. That's, that's what I meant. I don't know whether that's considered a pro or con. It could be how mm -hmm. you look at it. Some people may not like it and some people are like, I, I dig it. 
Well, it could be a pros for some developer who didn't get a chance to get it out, get his game out there, and he's able to do that. He's able to get the money and be able to get it funded. Uh, but from a gamer standpoint, there's so many going on. What are good ones? You're not getting out there. You're not able to um, test them. You know, that's what big companies are for or various publishers are. They're able to put it through its paces to determine, you know, this will work. No, it won't without me wasting my money or losing my money because they, the person who ever did the crowdfunding failed to get it to table. So it, it's a good thing and a bad thing. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that have changed. Well, it's also one of those things, too. It allows somebody who maybe doesn't have the backing of a big publisher to get their game out there. Yeah, I, th I started that at the beginning. Yeah, but that's you, okay. you did. It's kind of morphed from that, mm -hmm. though, because a lot of large companies now use Kickstarter to fund games. It's not just for the little guy anymore. Right. Now, sometimes I question that as whether or not if they're doing that, do they not have the capital to be behind those games? Is that how they're pushing their capital and actually some companies prior to now were doing mm -hmm. that but to your point this is something that has changed over 10 years good or bad it is something that has happened that brings a lot of variability variety to the market and talking about uh, companies and how they do things now what of course one of the big things now is a lot of merging uh, mm -hmm. of the companies you know we used to have a lot of really small studios but uh, you know, at some point in time when you had Asmodee coming in and just start buying up a lot of small studios, uh, Hasbro uh, likewise has been buying up a, a lot of studios. So there's been a lot of consolidation of smaller studios under one umbrella. Again, do you see that as a, a pro or con? I'm not sure, but it's definitely different. Uh, even though you may, because when we go to the convention now, you know, we used to have, there's like a little FFG booth. But now there's a whole Asmodee section <laughs> that has mm -hmm. uh, FFG, Days of Wonder, this company. I mean, you know, it just goes and on. That's the Asmodee section now at this point. So when I think about that, all those big merging, prior to early in the games, we would say, okay, oh, this company's coming out with one. It's something that we know that they specialize in or that we like, okay? Now with this bigger umbrella, it doesn't mean as much to me, but it does mean is that I can expect quality and the ability for the um, consumer to be assured that it's a good quality game. That's not always true. Well, no. But, I mean, uh, lots of times big corporations doesn't necessarily mean quality. Okay. I'll go with that. I mean, I'm I mean, fine. You know, yeah. I mean, there could be cost-cutting measures, for example, to where... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it could be. I mean, they definitely have more access to resources to make good quality. I assume you mean component wise, probably right. Well, artwork, um, mm. QA design, things like that. Things that uh, once a game's been done by the designer, what are the other aspects that you need to be able to bring in and having a portfolio of artists, you know? Well, and, I guess that's where you're going back to crowdfunding that comes in too, because with crowdfunding for somebody that doesn't have those resources with the deluxe editions that you can get on, on uh, crowdfunding places, you can have deluxe components, hire really good artists and stuff. So that crowdfunding does allow for that sort of thing too, for the smaller person. Right now, those deluxe prints, that's a whole nother topic. Now that I don't like that. Ah, okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's jump into that. That's not even on the list, but that that's a, that's a good one. Uh, Used to 10 years ago, it's like, here, here's this edition. 
And now it's like, oh, well, there's this edition and then this edition with this and then this edition, especially on the crowdfunding sites. Right. I, you know, for me, it's kind of like, okay, where tier can I jump into? None of those are base game. So it seems like whenever I go to the crowdfunding, it's like, well, here's this tier or this tier. Oh, wait, we're doing an expansion, but okay, I'd like that expansion, but I don't have the base game. How can I just get those two? Is there a way to do it? Oh, well, if I do, then I have to go to this tier. And it's, it's very irritating. Oh, look, here's minis with that. Oh, well, where are the standees? I mean, I know that's just a few of the examples, but from my standpoint, just give me the freaking, okay. Does it suck now? Just give me the freaking basic game. Okay. <laughs> That's where well, I'm at. Yeah, no, no, I get that. And again, that does kind of roll back into the crowdfunding because typically if if crowdfunding wasn't a part of the game, there's really typically only one version. Mm-hmm. Now, now some companies do offer pre-order bonuses. Uh, um, Portal Games, you know, who's a mm-hmm. sponsor of the show, is known for doing that. Come and pre-order the game right now and we'll give you these bonus cards or bonus something uh, to go along with the pre-order. But that's, that's common in a lot of different things. That's like almost pre-ordering a video game. Hey, come pre-order the video game. We'll give you this bonus keychain or like this bonus in-game skin or something. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe my age is showing here. I just don't care. You mm. know, I remember when you, you you and I used to do things like, hey, I just don't care anymore, right? It's, it's not worth it to me. I want something that I can enjoy. I don't need all that fluff. I've, I don't need all that crap sitting around my house. So... That's fine. But I mean, okay, next point, online gaming. That has changed greatly, though online gaming's been around forever. I was online gaming, what, we were back when we got out of college, Zork Online. No, I'm kidding. I no, don't no, no. remember. Well, online I know tabletop gaming. Yes, I know. being able to play tabletop games online, yeah. Okay, so where is the big benefit here? I'm thinking from a digital perspective, of being able to go to Direwolf and playing Sagrada or going to Portal and getting Hex on the table. That has changed. The ability of technology to allow them to adapt the IIs and get the rule checks. For me, that doesn't suck. That gives me the ability to learn a game that if it's available, that I've never been able to play and see if I like it. That's kind of like my beta test. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoy about online gaming. It, well, but also, aside from just the the applications that are on like PC and, and Switch and everything like that, you've got a Tabletop Simulator, uh, you've Don't got like BGA, it. you've got all these other tools uh, that people can get on and play games online, <laughs> which actually goes back to the way that uh, games are promoted and even designed now is that, hey, we have a game coming out and we have a version on Tabletop Simulator Come and try out the game. You could play prototypes of games now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ignacy told us that uh, due to the pandemic, that they had a lot of design sessions using Tabletop Simulator. You couldn't get together, but you can get together with uh, play testers and designers online, uh, come up with a Tabletop Simulator mod, and be able to play it and test out the rules and everything. So aside from just us as consumers being able to play these board games online, it's now a solid tool for designers and publishers. Completely agree. It is a solid tool. It is a needed tool. It also allows you to do it with people in other states. If you and your friends that you've met at a convention, you want to get together and play later, it's a great way to do it. But the whole purpose of tabletop gaming is to sit at a tabletop and have personal interaction. So it's a good thing, I'm just saying, but uh, it kind of takes away from the whole meaning of it, of, of having game night It's like we do. It's not, it's not for me. 
Uh, I know a lot of people that they love to play. I mean, in our Discord channel, mm-hmm. uh, we have an online gaming session where people are always cranking up games in BGA. Hey, come join and play the game, which I think is amazing. I think it's a great way to get with other people, especially, like you said, people out of state you can't play with, try different games and stuff like that. But the appeal to me is sitting at a table and playing games, which kind of goes to the next point. Another growth over the past 10 years that didn't used to exist is solo gaming. Solo gaming has exploded to the point to where it seems like every time a game is released, uh, you need a solo mode. Like I, a lot of the crowdfunding questions you're going to see is, hey, when the game comes out, but does it have solo mode? Or in BGG, when a game is announced, will there be solo rules? A lot of that also has to do with uh, this period that we just went through the past couple of years that people were sitting at home and wanted to play a board game, couldn't get with friends. So instead, they had the solo mode option. Remember, 10 years ago, yeah, I, there were probably a couple solo games out there, but they were almost like standalone solo games. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost like... Here's a game, and here's the rules for the solo mode. But is it necessary? I mean, it's a great addition. Again, I it's agree. not for me. I'm not a solo player. I've played some great solo games. David Thompson, one of good friends of the show, yes. makes amazing, amazing solo games. And his are some yes. of the best I've played. The Resist and Lazarus Ridge and you play Pavlov's House. Those are fun, fun solo games. Castle Itter, yeah. Yes, but typically... I want to sit with friends at a table and and so and socialize and play, which I don't go with a solo game or playing online games. So the growth in the past 10 years of the development of solo has really helped a lot of board games. It has forced the designers to stretch themselves and say, how do we do it? How do we do this? And, and we'll admit all these hundreds of games that come out, not all of them have solo rules. Let's, let's not be, but it does help. It does help a game hit the table. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, sure. I agree with you there. Um, uh, number the, of players. Uh, yeah. We're jumping around some of our uh, uh, bullet points here, but is there anything specifically about the types of games? Well, I, I guess uh, I, there's been a there's a broader diversity of games, and like, like for example, ten years ago when we played uh, Euros, a lot of the themes of the Euros were very consistent. It seemed to be based around the Renaissance times and having to do with you know trades of goods etc and stuff like that and over the years things like euros are no longer based in like historical type themes they're just all over the place there's a lot of euros that are based on just you know made up fantasy worlds or sci-fi worlds or or not even uh it, it could be something more abstract you know we Talk about nature games. Nature games got hot, right? There's a lot of nature-themed Euro-style games. So you've had a lot of diversity in themes of games within certain styles of games. But beyond that, it's just the types of games that are out there have just grown drastically. Yeah, and this is where people are going to send me more emails. Theme Uh-oh. doesn't matter. Theme, I mean, come on. You can paste nature. You can paste renaissance. You can paste, oh, I don't know, space flight or whatever. It, to me, it's, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's not what's going to drag me in. Is it going to keep me from playing the game? So all these different themes help a broader audience. But for someone like me, to your point, that means nothing to me because I am going to look for core key mechanics. And over the past 10 years, after the, you know, Catan, Dominion, um, 
to, to name the two that seem to kick off stuff like the um, car deck building stuff mm-hmm. or the or building the trade with Catan or Carcassonne tile lane you know I know the mechanics that I enjoy and those are the ones that I will look forward to card play like in um, uh, what is a living card games and things like that that is what we're looking towards for me theme I don't care I don't give a rat's behind you know I really don't when it comes to Euro-style games, I don't give a rat's behind either, but there are some things where a theme will draw me in. Uh, I've We've been playing a lot more historical games. Some of the yeah, themes oh yeah, of historical yeah, 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 yeah. games, I think are done, like the the fire and stone that we played, as once you know the kind of the background of what you're doing, then the actions that you're taking make sense, and you kind of feel, okay, the theme makes sense here, uh, but in a dry year, I, I agree. I not, theme is just it's like oh we're playing this poof it's gone okay yeah. i need to put this piece of a component here to grab this piece of component here and add these two components together to get this card over here that's what it becomes for me too yeah but to the excellent point the historical side of it mm-hmm. so when i look at the historical games that i want to play i will look at a period of time for instance i will look for the history of the world war ii games that I want to take a look at over maybe games that are in more present day time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know why that is, but it's just what interests me. So, but with this diversity, with this growth in the types of themes and, and things that they're picking up on, I mean, I got behind me Ark Nova right now, juicy fruits, you know, all this stuff. Uh, Um, Oh, something just happened over at the, the McCree household. Uh, Yeah. Something just, somewhere i'm just making sure <laughs> i don't know what that was but anyway um those do help like someone who's like you know i don't really want to hear about the renaissance oh look here's a cute how to build a zoo you know that right. will help draw the players in so as people and the designers are explore this it does help the game so once again is it sucking on the board gaming no it's not it's helping it's helping grow the the product Especially for people who have zero interest in like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like, oh my gosh, here's another trading, uh, you know, silk for gold sort of deal. Instead, you change it. I think that's why Wingspan did so, so well because, oh, birds, I get it. There's birds. All right. And birds are going to get together and they're going <laughs> to drop little eggs. I can understand that. Okay. I see what's going on here, which kind of spawned off of all the, all the nature things, which, you know, again, that growing diversity of games will definitely bring more people into the hobby. One thing I, we talked about just a second ago about solo gaming, online gaming, talk about diversity of games. Another thing that's really changed over the past 10 years is campaign games. Campaigns didn't used to be really a thing. Mm-hmm. Now, almost like solo games, there's so many games. It's like, oh, well, here's a campaign that you can play through, which is, okay, well, if I'm going to get this, then I know that there's a certain number of hours and games I'm going to, or scenarios I'm going to invest in this to play through a campaign, which is odd because there's a point that we're going to make later on about uh, that, that you have under our con list where campaign style games wouldn't seem to be a hit, but they still are. But I'm not seeing as many. We went through that big wave, you know, and then, you know, two years ago, you couldn't bring people together for it. Mm. All right. But you had to find a way because, I mean, to play a campaign game separate from everyone, like I had my city. All right. Yeah. What I did was 
we got two versions of it and we were able to work through that with, with friends. So it was kind of like, Oh, here's the card show. I'm on the, the camera. Okay. That works. So I do admit going back to some of the development in the build is using technology. You and I played a game from Robinsburg called echoes where I was able to show you a card and it was able to scan through my camera. I'm enjoying how they're implementing iPad technology into it. Ah, that's a great point. So another thing is app integration into board games. 10 mm -hmm. years ago, everybody wasn't walking around with a phone that might right. be powerful enough to do something like that. Now everybody has a device with them to where designers can now use that device in order to integrate with gameplay. Again, is that a pro or con? I've heard people can't stand it. I've heard people that mm -hmm. love it. It's just, again, something that's changed we've seen in the past decade. But if it helps players play the game better, mm -hmm. like, if, oh, here's an app that allows you to speed up play, reference rules, or whatever. I mean, go ahead and use it. Use the technology. And that is one thing that has really helped over the past 10 years develop and bring games into the mainstream. Okay. And also you've right. had a, you've had a lot of merging of mechanisms too. And such that, you know, you, you mentioned dominion earlier, uh, straight deck building game or carcassonne straight tile laying game mm -hmm. or something else where it's like, here's a straight worker placement game. But now you have all these games coming out that are going, Oh, look, it's a deck building worker placement game that has tile laying and area control. So there's a lot of taking these basic mechanisms that we've known separately in these individual games and merging together into one. And to be fair, when it's done right and done well, it is good. Mm -hmm. It is good. Oh, and look, there's an app that goes with it. Helps you score. <laughs> And it has a campaign mode and a solo mode. And if you want to play online, if you want to check it out first, it's like... Go to Tabletopia or whatever. <laughs> That's right. You, there's oh all gosh. these little ingredients you need to drop into a game. Now, I almost kind of miss just the pure, solid worker placement game and that's all it is. Or tile place. I actually, it seems like whenever a game comes out that kind of goes back to simpler times where it's not emerging of all these different types of styles of games that I really appreciate that, oh, like that classic old-fashioned simplicity mm -hmm. of a game. And then you realize, I still like a straight deck builder. It doesn't have to be merged with, with no. everything else. And a lot of it's like when they reprint older games, they being publishers, um, some of those are real big hits because people get to experience them for the first time, but they're just that classic feel game that's not really overloaded with a bunch of rules and mechanisms. Right. That's why some of the out of print games, you see them go for a high price, you know, online. Um, but that's, that's fine. Now, one thing I will say that definitely has helped board gaming over the past 10 years is raising the bar on production. And that is one of the first things we always say is when we open a game is, Ooh, look, there's cardboard to punch. What is the quality of the cardboard? And I think that has made, that's not from us. That is from the competition that the, does the, companies need to deal with knowing that the minute you put out something that is misprinted or you punch it and it falls apart in cardboard, people going to know, people going to say something about it. They're going to question it. Right. So, yeah, so that's, now, that's helped out a lot. And I think that does help sell, sell games. It's not needed, but it does help. So it, it's table presence, right? Mm -hmm. If you say, Ooh, man, that looks really cool. I mean, come on. I, Restoration games and Return to Dark Tower. You you yeah. talking about like uh they hit a home run with that game, not only in production, 
but to me, one of the best app integrations to a board game I've ever seen. Because the app is needed, it's there, but it's not obtrusive or intrusive in your gameplay. It's like it does its job and then gets out of the way of the players and lets them enjoy the game. Right. But so my aunt gave me, she found in her closet, my uncle's 1950-something sorry game. Okay. And for some odd reason, she felt I needed it. And that's fine. So I took it and I opened the board. Uh, Yeah, sorry. And you can just see how the board, you know, is fraying apart from the 50s, but you can see the quality and things like that. It's just interesting to say, okay, from this to what we have, oh, double-sided, or the bifold versus the quarter. Ooh, that's actually pretty big if you think about it. Or the the quarter-folded board. Going from just the single-fold board, the Monopoly-style game to the... The, my gosh, some of them really complicated with the number of folds and everything yeah, they have. So yeah, so just the the uh, production uh, invent, inventions or, or ways that you can now make things that you might not be able to use to in the past. One of them is big foldable boards, which create these beautiful you know gaming spaces to put on the table that definitely did not used to exist. Right, neoprene mats. We we talk, talk about them. You put. If you want, now that is one deluxe quality. If you want me to drop my money, you'd say, by the way, here's a neoprene mat. But then if you send me a crappy mat, not looking at a particular game recently, but yes, I am, I'm going to be upset with you. So, yep. I mean, but it does, it's nice to have those. I mean, Chip Theory Games, oh my heavens, there's you, there's you some quality right there. And just think what they've been able to do. Not a big production company, but they've been able to, they, they knew what they wanted to do and the quality and the production quality um, and just how they forced the design or the, the production quality to be raised by the other companies. Don't be putting out no crap here. This, uh-uh, that ain't going to work. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So that, uh, what are some things that maybe it's like we've seen in the past years? It's like, well, that's, that's not exactly a great thing to happen. Mm. What's, I, I, I don't know. What's something? I know things that are I don't know. We've got a list right here. I just thought you'd start reading down the list. Those are cons. I, those aren't great <laughs> things. I mean, well, I mean what, that's what, what okay. I mean. It's okay. like things over the past 10 years. It's like, hmm, maybe this isn't the best thing in the world that's happened over right. the past 10 years. Hundreds of games a year, one and dones. One yep. and dones. Play it <laughs> once. It's out of here. It's a great game. I'd like to get it back to the table. Oh, wait, here's something else. And it's not because you and I have done this little side gig of, of talking about games. It's just, even if we hadn't, I think that we would have progressed as gamers. If we had not started the podcast, we would be going for what's hot now because that's what we would do. Yeah. Right. Trying and that's to find standard, what's next. Yeah. That's the standard thing to do too is just like, Ooh, you, if you're, if you're a hardcore gamer and probably most people listening or watching this, even though you may not want to consider yourself hardcore, if you've got uh, you know, 50 over 50 games sitting on your shelf and you keep up with the latest stuff, you're probably considered a hardcore gamer and something new comes out and you want to try it out. Now, you know, over 10 years ago, Tony, you and I only had, you know, five to 10 games maybe on the shelf and we played those games over and over again. We were playing Puerto Rico constantly or pandemic constantly sort of deal. And it's like, we just, that's just what kept coming back to the table. And now if we get in a, you know, get play a game more than three or four times, it's like, whoa, whoo, we played a lot of that game. But it's your audience. I still play Carcassonne, mm. Ticket to Ride, and I forget uh, a particular role and write, I can't think of the name, with Donna now. 
Those are her three games. She doesn't need what's left in the closet. She just says, either get Carcassonne out, I'll play this new game, but you better put Carcassonne or Ticket to Ride on the table eventually. But she's not a hardcore gamer. She's not. So for non-hardcore gamers, more than likely, they still will buy four or five games, and that's what they pull out every time. So it's not really a con for probably the average gamer. Let's face it, y'all. Millions of people have board games sitting on their shelves. There's Mm -hmm. millions of gamers now. There's only a small fraction of people like us that are probably considered the hardcore that this would even be an issue for. So it's we're really kind of talking about us and maybe some of those that are listening. Well, I don't know. There, I mean, you walk into Walmart or Target and, and not the hardcore gamer. What? How do they know what to choose? They may pick a game and then they go in a month later and here's a new game that they've heard about, right? Yeah. And then, and then with the technology today, all these top 10 lists that are coming out that may be showing up in your newsfeed. I don't know how that would help. Or they'll say, okay, go research something. Oh, look, here's pandemic on the shelf. Okay. Well, what's this one about throwing burritos? I don't understand what that is. You know, so they're moving through them as well. I mean, if people ask me, you know, various, you know, what game should I buy? And I tell them go buy. And then next year they ask me again, what game should I go buy? I'm like, well, I, well what about the one you bought last year? What about it? Yeah. Well, I want something new. Okay. It's just human nature. We want something new. Yeah. And you put but, on uh, on the list too, do you ever get good at a game? I guess that's the idea. It's like, do you play a game long enough and enough times in order to get really good at it? Right. So I, I think back to a series of uh, games that were somebody was showing up in our local board game store and it didn't matter what, if you were sitting at his table, you were playing terraforming Mars, plain and simple. That was it. That's all he was going to play. And he got really, really good to the point where he knew every card, every combination. Do you have that capability in today's world? You do if you want to dedicate your time to that. But this fear of missing out might come and get you to where you're not going to go do that. For um, I know for our gaming group, no, you're not going to get good at a game. Because there's something else that I'd love to get good at a certain game. But no, I'll never get good at a game. We used to, uh, you know, we, our last uh, video episode was on Netrunner and we were good at Netrunner because we invested so much time in it. We were good at Lord of the Rings. We were at one time decent in War Machine because we played a lot. You do play a game enough times, you will get, we will get better over time. See, War Machine, miniatures, that's a whole nother video. Uh, That you can never, for me, I can never, that's why I left it. I could never feel like I would get good because I could not understand half the armies across the table for me. And you had to know that. Yeah. When you, yeah. Oh man. Well, Ooh. same thing. I, th- I think it's anything like that. Any lifestyle game, magic, the gathering miniature games, you need to know enough, not only, but only about your stuff, but about everything. So you know how to be competitive uh, against other players. You have a comment here, turn off other players due to the, to variety. What do you mean by that? I mean that you walk in there and there's just so much. So for, that, you're talking about for new players, it's like, my gosh. For anybody, I, actually. Any, you anybody, walk, okay. Yeah, anybody. Is there just so much now that you're, you're being inundated with stuff and you're just like, I don't know where to go. I'm lost. You know, what, what do I want to do or pick up? I, I don't know. Fine, I'll just, I'll just go play, pick up my Switch and play a game. It's easier. Right. So yeah. that, that's so what it, I mean by that. Got, yeah, too much. What, what, uh, and what do you mean by more polarization? So 
this is probably a, a, maybe a, a, a touchy one, but this is just me thinking back over the past 10 years. So there's been a huge influx of new gamers. Amazing. That is great. Uh, that's why uh, the the board gaming uh, market has has pushed like into the billion, you know, over a billion dollars now when it didn't used mm-hmm. to be anything like that. It's just constantly growing over the years. There was a surge during the pandemic years because a lot of people were buying games because there's nothing else to do. But we, you and I used to always talk about the bubble's going to burst. The bubble's going to burst. I, yeah, I, yeah, forget that. Bubble ain't going to burst. It's just going to be steady growth. Maybe it's not huge growth, but just more people are coming in. But the thing is, over the past 10 years, what have we seen over the past 10, over your 10 years in general just on social media? There's been a lot of polarization among just everybody. And I remember uh, I got a fantastic anecdote from the first year I went to um, Origins. And I remember playing a demo with a whole group of people. And it was me, uh, my son, uh, probably a uh, college-age woman. And there was a lot of different uh, uh, races and everything sitting around the table playing this demo. We never met each other. And we just had the best time in the world. I thought, what an amazing experience where you can have all these different people with different backgrounds and ideologies just come down and do one thing and enjoy each other's time, and that's it. And it's just with so many, with so much influx into the gaming space now, I'm starting to see where that isn't as common as anymore anymore because people are like, oh, look at, look at, uh, oh, I'm getting ready to play with this person, but look at their social media. Look what they posted there. I don't have anything to do with that person. I think it's just everything. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate that even within the people who like to play tabletop games has been hurt by the polarization of, of people and people going into their own little spaces and not wanting to associate with people in other spaces. And I hate that because to me at one time, tabletop gaming was a way to bring people together of all different types and maybe have good discussions about things and make friends. And now I think it just seems like people are like, no, nah, I'm just going to stick with this and we'll stick with this. In fact, I try not to even use the term board game community anymore. It used to be, oh, we play board games, so we're all in one big happy community. That's not really the case. We're not a community. If just because you play a board game doesn't mean that you're going to want to play with everybody else that plays a board game. There are still communities, but they're more smaller in niche, right? There's mm-hmm. there's a miniatures community. There is a, there's a Magic the Gathering community. Maybe there's a historical games community. There's your local game store community. There's your con community. You know, there, there are closed communities around where people can associate people they want to sit down and play with. But I do not and will not use the term, hey, we're just all one big community because I just don't believe that's the case anymore. Okay. You know how I solve this? What? I very seldom do the social media. I- no, I, I agree. And I, it's, you know, it's one of those things I do for the show to try to yeah. basically try, try to connect and say, here we are. Here's this thing that we're talking about. And you just see a bunch of junk and you see yeah. a bunch of people pointing fingers at other people. And I know for a fact, uh, when you've been in this long enough, there, there are these things called blacklists. There are blacklists of people, of companies that people will not work with other people or talk to other people. Mm. I know for a fact it exists. And it stinks that it exists, but people do that to protect themselves because they, you know, There's something I don't like about this person. I don't agree with this person. So I'm just not going to associate with that person. That's fine. That's their choosing. They can do what they want to. I just hate we've kind of gotten to that point where it's so important 
that we just can't even sit down and play a board game together anymore. So I understand completely what you're saying. Cause I have to get, you have to school me at board game night of, of these things because I, I'm unaware I'm oblivious and people can get on me for that. They can send me emails and say, well, you need to be paying more attention. No, no, I don't, you don't, I don't have to. If you want to play a board game with me, I don't care who you are. You want to play a board game with me? Come sit down. We'll talk. We'll have fun. We'll be playing. Let's do this. If you want to bring social deduction to the table, get ready for a <laughs> worst experience of your life. I, I, I will, you know, that's the one game that I am not a fan of, but I will always play it. And I, I understand. That's what I thought you meant by this polarization. And it's been talked about where people won't tear other people down, things like this, because, hey, they want to have their streams big. It's kind of like when you and I were doing this, we had that deal going on. I don't, whatever. This is my hobby. This is what I enjoy. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. So for me, over the past 10 years, has, has all this polarization and social media, it's not made it as enjoyable because of some of the after effects of what's happened to some people who I really enjoy in this business, who I've always wanted to sit down and play with. I look back at 10 years of rolling dice and taking names and what we were doing then. We didn't care. We had whoever we wanted to on the show. We don't care because we just won't, we're, we won't say, Hey, I want to hear what you want to say. Okay. It's the way we are. Yeah. And I, I'm so, I will game with anybody. And in fact, I love gaming with people that aren't like me. I, I love hearing about other people and talking to other people from all sorts of backgrounds and stuff like that. And people, well, whatever, let me just tell you, let me, let me, yeah. there is no one like you, brother. Nobody. You are one in a million. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or anything I know like that. that. I, I'm just saying that I'm old school. When I do remember those times where you just like, uh, you you want to play a game? Sweet, let's play a game. And there, yeah. that was it. You didn't have to talk about anything. You didn't usually bring up stuff. But here's the thing. You mm. might create relationships with people where maybe there's some things you do want to talk about. And you do talk about things. And that's great. And you cultivate uh, relationships and exchanging of ideas. That's amazing. That was kind of always the way I saw it. It's like, this is a starting point for maybe something big to make the world a better place. But unfortunately, what I'm saying is that the junk that we've seen that's happened everywhere, unfortunately, is also inside the people who also buy and play board games. That's it's, it. It's it's human nature. I don't it's, care what you it's do. It's human nature. And it's just one of those things that I'm not just like, oh, I wish it was back to the time when it was just a small group of people gaming. No. no. I'm glad. I'm glad that even more people are gaming. I think that's amazing. And people can make their own communities and make their own groups and play the games that they want to play. And they can play and make the types of games that people want to make and, and play and everything. And I think that's great. I would never, ever say, let's go back to the old days because then you'd be depriving a, a whole audience of the amazing things that you can sit and do at the table, playing games and hanging out with people and stuff like that. I like where we are today. It's just, it's an unfortunate side effect of when you get so many people in one area that you're just going to have people bump heads. Yeah. Imagine that driving down the road. I'm going to bump heads with somebody. Yeah. So does board gaming suck now? No, no, it doesn't. It's great. It's, it's fun. There's some good, there's some bad, but there's always something for someone, something for your family. When this is, you know, if it goes out to the webs, you know, there's plenty of, of opportunity to sit down with family and find a game that you would enjoy to play with the family, regardless of what 
dissidents you got going on in your family right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And and when you say I had a thing in here, what do you predict will happen over the next ten years? I I do feel that there's a lot bigger acceptance of tabletop games now than what they used to be ten years ago. It's like, oh, that's just a bunch of you know old people sitting around and moving pieces around a board. I want to do something else. Uh, a lot younger and younger people are now getting into uh, tabletop games. You can see that because of all the amazing media and content creators that have come oh, out yeah. over the past several years. Uh, what a great group of people to pass the torch off to. Uh, th- these are amazing people that are that are younger that's going to bring in the younger audience and attract them. I, I have no statistical data. I would think that maybe the average age is maybe ho- hopefully starting to skew down a little bit over the past several years to where the average gamer is getting maybe younger and more people are, are coming in. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing that would be cool if it was because it'd be cool to get a, an influx of the younger uh, generation in. And I think they're coming. And I think over the next 10 years, you're going to see even more of that. It's accepted now. It used to be like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. But now it's like, yeah, I want to do that. That's cool. Well, you're seeing uh, them board col- game colleges. cafes. It, yeah. And, and bars opening us that have board games and stuff. It's just now a thing that college age kids like mine, kids do all the time that they didn't used to do. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it, you know, groups. Was there ever a board game club at uh, where we went to school, NC State? I nope. don't know. I didn't I, have I the internet so. to figure it out. Well, for for sure now that there are, at the colleges, there are role-playing groups and board game nights and mm-hmm. stuff that didn't used to exist. There's even TED Talks on how to build a role-playing universe. I mean, come on. This is out there. What can we say? All right, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, it's been an amazing ten years. Like I said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. So I, I would definitely not change the growth that we've had. It's not like I yearn for the old days. So don't get me wrong about that. I think more variety in games, fantastic. Everybody can find something that they like. More people to game with, fantastic. You can find somebody that you're comfortable hanging around and playing games with. I think it's great. Okay. I like those final thoughts. I don't need to add anything to it. You know me. Man, a few thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 10 years. It's been an amazing journey for the 10 years that we've been doing this. And it's I, I, in the next 10 years, who knows what we'll be talking about. And even if we're able to, you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll probably be in the old folks home and have to, they have to wheel us up and do this. No, I'm thinking some new technology is going to come along and eventually you and I are just not going to be able to keep up. Uh, that's all on you, dude. We'll, we'll get that newfangled AI, and I'll just we'll just have it do it for us. Okay, works for me. 